following is an encore presentation of Your Pet Matters, with many new shows to come. Missed an episode? No worries. You can subscribe to a free weekly episode of Your Pet Matters to listen to on your favorite podcasting platform. Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, whatever. Now, here's a replay of Your Pet Matters with Dr. Michael Takiwa. 107.7, 1077thebronc.com. Proudly nominated for a 2019 and 2021 National Association of Broadcasters Marconi Award for College Radio Station of the Year and broadcasting live from the Bronx all-new digital broadcast studios, welcome you to Your Pet Matters with Dr. Michael Tequila. Good morning, Pack Nation. I am Michael Dr. T. Tequila, and it is a fall day. It is cold. It is finally cold outside. Um, and... I wanted to talk today about online reviews and the misperceptions that we see um, both from us and, uh, well, not necessarily from us, sorry, um, not necessarily from us, but just the misperceptions that you may have as a general public about veterinary medicine, um, et cetera. And this all stems from a article I just read by a colleague of mine, Dr. Sarah Boston, is a board-certified veterinary surgeon, and she wrote a wonderful article. I, I have a link in the description that everyone should read. It's about um, just online abuse um, in general and the effect it has, and it's taken from the sense that, as you all may be aware of, there's a huge, huge risk of suicide in my profession. We're multiple times more likely to commit suicide than anyone else. Um, and part of that comes from the stresses of the profession. And one of the stresses of the profession can be how the public perceives us and how individuals, it could be a sole individual writing a terrible, terrible online review about you, um, leads to then just a mass attack on a veterinarian. Um, so it's interesting because I'll be frank with you, um, my practice has had some interesting reviews. Um, and most of them, I would honestly say, are not justified. Um, some of them that the client does lead a review, I can definitely work out and work through. Um, it's interesting because everything is, as I always say, everything's multifactorial. So there's always a combination of misunderstanding. There's a combination of miscommunication. I think that is huge on the table here um, in veterinary medicine in general. So it it was it was a we got a bad review because the perception of the client was that their pet was placed in a hospital cage for several hours until the mobile schnarfer got there. Where we failed is we, we should have discussed when the ultrasonarfer arrives. In many cases, I've actually had the clients give us a 20-minute window that we can, when the ultrasonarfer calls, we can have them come in. So that wasn't relayed to the client. That wasn't discussed um, at all. I had a, a team member that, from a veterinary standpoint, just didn't communicate well at all with clients. So when you start dealing with all that stuff, it led to a dissatisfied client who posted in, um, this person went everywhere and posted a negative review. So, you know, those types of things are definitely viable 
um, but should have been discussed. And in the end, it wasn't a life or death situation, um, but the client made it seem that way. And that was, that's what was the detrimental thing for the, for the practice. The other one I had was, I, you know, I guess I'm fortunate that I haven't been involved in these incidents, but, um, but it is my business. Um, a client w- was stating something that they came to find their forever vet or whatever, blah, 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 and was dissatisfied by this, that, and this. And the irony of that, the irony of that, that client still comes into the practice. And it's, it's difficult. It's, it's incredibly difficult when you, when you post an online review like that to, to bounce back from that. But, but those are only two justifiable ones I can think of. I think most of them are not justifiable. And the difficulty is, is that many millennials out there or just people in general, what do you do? And I do this too. I review things. I, I look at, at the reviews to see what everything, everyone says about certain things. And yeah, you can, you can target the ones that are, this is clearly biased and either too good or too bad. But, um, you know, overall, I've been fortunate that the people who have said they've looked at a review say there's, there's an overwhelmingly good review there. So, so that, that's, you know, incredibly important but just to give you a mindset is that even though i know that some of these reviews are not justified they stay with me they're always with me um and it and it does lead to you know um certain feelings and and concerns and stresses about that um and the other thing uh, dr sarah boston brings up in her in her um article is that Many of these online reviews are actually taken down. So the, so the general populace, you pet parents out there, really don't see what people are. And the example she uses is, is incredible. Um, I think it was a situation where it's, it, typically there's no funds involved. So, that, so the client has no funds. There's a situation, and they end up with a humane euthanasia. And, that's, and I can go on a completely different show um, to talk about the benefits of, of health pet insurance and how that leads to situation where you don't have to euthanize your pet and that things can be covered but it's it's typically financial it's typically a situation of severe medical issue and there's a guilt from the client standpoint that they can't afford to pay for anything and then they take it out in the veterinarian Um, and a point she does bring up that is clear and i get this all the time if you loved pets you would do it for free no other medical profession no other profession you know, if you if you go up to a, a if I went up to my mechanic and I said, listen, listen, man, if you love if you love Hondas, you would fix it for free or, you know, any it, there's nothing, you know, I, I cannot even comprehend going to my medical doctor who's a friend of mine and saying, Ron, listen, man, if, if you if you if you like humans, you know, you would do my blood work for free. Unfortunately, that only is it impossible to do something free. And one of the fallacies we do as a veterinary professional is we do so many things for free, myself included. It'll, it, we, our, our database, our software will indicate how much stuff we give away for free. And honestly, it's amazing, but it is detrimental because veterinary medicine to run a veterinary hospital is incredibly expensive. It's more expensive, and I've talked about this a zillion times, it is way more expensive than a human clinic to run a veterinary hospital because you're running a hospital and there's more people involved. And there's way more equipment. So your overhead is way high. And your profit margins are way small. So to do something for free is a loss. It's a huge loss. And yet we still do that. We do so many things for free. Um, so that's one thing the young vet mindset has to change. But, but to say that is just, 
it's she she uses the word gasp. It's an audible gasp that happens. That to to say, hey, if you love pets, you would do it for free. That's just you know amazing, amazing. Um, you know, and the other thing is, is I'm I'm going to give a talk soon. It has nothing to do with online abuse, but part of it was polling vets um, about their feelings about referral to 24-hour referral centers and. A huge percentage of young veterinarians, well, not young veterinarians, it was, it was a wide range of veterinarians, they're actually concerned about the act of how they're perceived by their clients for referral because they're concerned about being sued or being taken to our board as a complaint. Can you believe that? It's like, it's that sort of mindset that's, that's out there in our profession. All we want to do is we want to do what's best for your pet and for you. Many of us may not be able to communicate that clearly, and there's a strong bias in some of us that we look at what's best for your pet and really don't discuss or at some point sometimes acknowledge what's best for you. And that's one of the areas that where communication is huge. You know, ideally, I want to offer gold standard medicine to every pet that walks into the door. Unfortunately, reality sets in, and many owners, whether they can afford it whether they choose it, whether they believe in it, will not do that. So you have to have that discussion. Many, many vets just want what's best for the pet and they have to talk about to the client as well. So we're striving for that, but there's a difficulty in us communicating with that. Um, so it's a work in progress, but it doesn't mean that your pet's best interests were never at heart and doesn't, by far, it doesn't mean that someone's trying to rip you off. Um, and we do feel like you wouldn't believe when a situation comes up. I've been in situations where a person walks in the door and has $50. That won't even cover the exam fee. So how do you deal with that situation? What sort of gut-wrenching consequences are there for not only the, the pet parent, who I can guarantee you feels incredibly bad that they don't have money, um, and the veterinarian who feels incredibly bad because they're they're limited on what they're capable of doing those are the situations so the bottom line is an education of the general populace that this exists please please if you're going to do an online review for those of you who love your vet do an online review nothing is better than posting how much you love your vet if you had an issue with your veterinarian please talk to your veterinarian first Putting a negative online review is can be detrimental, can lead to ramifications beyond what you could even comprehend. Hope that makes sense. Makes sense to me. We have to take a short break, listen to some wonderful messages, and we'll be right back with more of Your Pet Matters. So stay tuned right here on 1077, 1077thebronc.com. The following is an encore presentation of Your Pet Matters with many new shows to come. Missed an episode? No worries. You can subscribe to a free weekly episode of Your Pet Matters to listen to on your favorite podcasting platform. Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, whatever. Now, here's a replay of Your Pet Matters with Dr. Michael Takiwa. We're back with Your Pet Matters with Dr. T of Progressive Veterinary Care, discussing everything you need to know to keep your furry friends happy, healthy, and safe. Only on 1077 The Bronx. Hey everyone, Dr. T here, and I wanted to talk to you about vomiting. Um, I think there's two 
major scenarios for vomiting. Vomiting that just occurs in your pet, whether they're a cat or dog, or vomiting that we actually create in your pet. Um, so I'll talk about the latter first. Over the last two weeks, we've had three episodes of induced vomiting. Um, induced meaning we, as your veterinarians, give your pet some drug to make them vomit. Um, the first was Angus. Angus is a big uh, black lab, gets into everything. Um, so the scenario goes, my clients are getting their house renovated. They can't use their backyard. So they've had Angus go in their friend's backyard and their friend has a golden. And I don't know if it's unbeknownst to both parties, but there's huge grapes vines in the backyard of which their neighbor who's had three generations of golden, none of them ever got into the grapes. Well, in comes Angus and Angus not only got into the grapes, he convinced their golden to get into the grapes. So as all stories go, mom calls us up saying, listen, I'm in the middle of doing an interview. My dog ate a bunch of grapes. What can I do? We said, well, why don't you bring them in? Because first thing we want to do is if this just happened, we can do vomiting and get the, the grapes out. So for those of you who don't know, grape toxicity can lead to acute kidney failure and potentially death as a result of that. Um, so, and it's variable. Some dogs, ironically, can eat a few grapes and not have a problem. Some dogs can eat one grape and go into acute renal failure. So our goal is to get those grapes out. Well, it was approximately almost an hour before she could get her mom to bring Angus in. Angus is huge. He's energetic. Her mom is the most petite thing in the world. Um, so she gets Angus in with their, one of the grandkids came in as well. So the first thing we did, did was we gave him apomorphine. Um, it is a morphine um, analog and morph a side effect of morphine is makes you vomit. So it works really well. It works within minutes. Um, and he vomited up about a pound and a half of grapes. The great, the beauty of this is that being Angus, being a lab, he just swallowed them whole. So they weren't broken open. So the contents weren't there. So most, I mean, it literally, it's it in the end, not to be gross, but it was when I picked up the the bag of vomit that we had, that Angus had created for me. Um, it weighed as much as the grapes that you buy in a grocery store, pound, pound and a half of grapes. Um, did a renal panel on them, did a urinalysis, everything's fine, monitor them afterwards, everything's good, so good story. Yesterday, Cavalier, I get called, Cavalier ate a grape, and you know, it's one of the scenarios. Let's make her vomit. Um, so we did that as well, we did the apomorphine. Up came some plastic too, so apparently she was chewing on a plastic toy as well. So so, so that's the, um, you know, we've done chocolate. If um, they've eaten chocolate, we make them vomit. And chocolate's interesting because um, chocolate vomit smells like chocolate and they can continue to vomit up so much chocolate afterwards. So um, it's important to, to consider the Options, um, if, if you've known your pet's eaten some toxic, definitely two places you should call is your veterinarian and depending on what they've eaten, um, call the SPCA Animal Poison Control, um, which many times your veterinarian may work with them because there's a lot of toxins that we don't have a lot of database on of, of how to deal with and poison control does. So that's human-created vomiting in pets. The other type of vomiting is when your pet vomits. and you know, some pets vomit. Um, I tell my clients twice a month for a dog is actually in the realms of normal. Um, I find dogs vomit if they haven't eaten a meal and their body's primed for it and the bile comes up. Um, 
I find that dogs will vomit if they happen to get into something that just disagrees with them, that's not harmful. Um, so those are the types of vomits that probably can occur twice a month or so and are in the normal range. So where do I get worried about vomit? Um, I get worried about vomiting if it's more often than twice a month, depending on what's going on with the pet, um, the age of the pet, um, and the just overall what's going on, the frequency of the vomit. Are you doing it twice a day, twice an hour? I really don't like scenarios where they vomited like five times in a row and the client calls and doesn't want to do anything. Those types of scenarios, those are situations where the vet team member is going to recommend that you come in. So so what are common causes of vomiting in pets? Um, for older cats with kidney issue or dogs with kidney issues, um, kidney disease can lead to vomiting. Liver disease can be lead to vomiting. Certain toxins can lead to vomiting. Um, a foreign obstruction in the intestinal tract can lead to vomiting. Pancreatitis can lead to vomiting. GI parasites or other infections can lead to vomiting. So those are different causes of that. And so when your pet's vomiting, we have to determine what's causing it. Um, so if the history is suspicious of a foreign obstruction, they've eaten something foreign. Um, so what happens in many of those cases is they'll want to still eat, but they won't be able to hold things down. And this can go on for days and they'll still be bright, um, but it's that vomiting you want to see what's, what's in there. So today I got texted from my landlord. Their dog ate two tampons um, and so ate them immediately. So we're going to um, probably take some radiographs, see what's going on with that, um, see where they are and see what we can do because I don't know, being absorbable, I don't know what size these tampons will get to or where we're going to be with respect to that. Um, other foreign obstructions I've seen, toys, rubber duckies, um, I had a cat that was vomiting that he, Romeo, was playing with the elastic of a sleeping bag and I ended up pulling out, I don't know, a total, there, there, I pulled out about 10 pieces about this long of this elastic band. Um, you could see it all bright in his stomach, so that was interesting. And that was a surgical intervention. Um, many obstructions are surgical interventions. The concern would be that if it really blocks, then you can get necrosis and death of the tissue in that area. Um, I must have said something that Siri recognized. Siri just said something. Um, but hang on a sec. I got it. Hey, Siri, stop. Start playing a song. Um, so obstruction. So what, what we do is we take radiographs. And what we're looking for is either the object in question um, or an unusual gas pattern. A lot of times where the blockage is, you'll have buildup of gas around that. Um, many times we can see that. The most notable one I remember way back when I started practicing was a corn cob. Literally, you can see the little areas of the corn cob. It was an eaten corn cob. It was a lab. So x-rays really determine how things are going. X-rays for non-foreign obstructions, if there's um, kidney or liver issues, you can see changes in those organs. Um, if there's a potential tumor that's causing that organ dysfunction that's leading to vomiting, you can see that as well. Um, for GI parasites, we run a fecal. For metabolic conditions, kidney disease, liver disease, pancreatitis, blood work is there. Um, many times you can do an abdominal ultrasound to see what's going on, whether it's metabolic or foreign obstruction. Um, and treatment can range from benign therapy where 
We do this wonderful, I call it the drug of the, of the decade, is Serenia is a wonderful anti-vomiting medication. Um, and sub-Q fluids really help the situation. Um, antibiotics, in many cases. Um, in more severe cases, you may have to hospitalize, um, follow up on things. Um, and in foreign body cases, you may have to go in surgically to see what's going on. So if your pet is vomiting, it never hurts to give your veterinarian a call, um, have a discussion. Most often you can kind of determine the cause. They got into something outside, they just ate this, they're um, in kidney failure and the signs are getting worse. So those are the types of scenarios we can do. But um, I would expect a, some sort of diagnostic and some sort of treatment. Um, in very benign cases, you can just treat and see how things go. And there are some cases that are fairly benign where a pet gets into a vomiting cycle. And by using anti-vomiting meds, we can actually stop that cycle and they get, they get back and, and do very well. So vomiting is something definitely you want to um, talk to your veterinarian about because it could be nothing, but it could be something pretty cool. Pretty cool. Pretty cool to look at afterwards when everything's great, but I mean pretty, pretty intense. Does that make sense? Makes sense to me. Have to take a short break. After these messages, we'll come right back, right here on Your Pet Matters, 107.7, 107.7, thebronc.com. Every weekend, you'll find a project to get involved with. And sometimes, it'll include your scaly or furry partner in crime. From Your Pet Matters with Dr. T, it's time for Producer's Pet Project. Your go-to for pet news, recall alerts, adoption services, and overall helpful tips and tricks to keep your best friend happy and healthy. Producer's Pet Project is underwritten in part by Progressive Veterinary Care. Hello everyone, I hope you're enjoying this episode of Your Pet Matters. I'm your producer Wade Buchanan, and today I want to discuss bizarre animal behaviors that prove that Mother Nature is insane. We all have our quirks and we're all kind of weird in our own little way, but this proves that animals are very similar to us behavior-wise. So allow me to show you some examples. Number one is that Japanese honeybees vibrate so fast they can cook a hornet to death. In Japan, native bees and hornets gruesomely battle. If more than one Asian giant hornet gets into a beehive, they will rip all the bees' head off, killing 20 insects per minute and thousands in a couple of hours, and decimate the hive. However, the only way Asian giant hornets get into the hive is by first sending a scout to find it. Luckily for Japanese honeybees, they have a defense against scouting hornets. They cluster around the giant and vibrate very, very quickly. Together, the hundreds of buzzing bees generate so much heat that they cook the hornet to death. Nature is pretty metal. Number two is that male giraffes drink pee to figure out if the female is ready to mate. Some women track their cycles to figure out when they're ovulating, if they're trying to get pregnant or not. And animals have the same concerns. However, giraffes go about it much weirder in a grosser way. The male giraffe whacks its females a few times until she pees. Then, the male drinks her urine. If the female isn't ready to get pregnant, her urine will be flavored with certain hormones that the males can taste. When he tastes the hormones, he'll then try to mate with her. She walks away from him for a few days until she's ready. Female giraffes are pregnant for 13 to 15 months until the baby falls out and onto the ground, running around a few hours later. 
Number three is horned lizards squirt blood out of their eyes. It's a dangerous world out in nature, so animals have to evolve good defenses until they're top predators. For the little horned lizard, danger abounds in the desert. Hawks, roadrunners, bobcats, wolves, grasshoppers, mice, and more are all trying to eat it. The lizards suck at running, so they try to camouflage and blend in with their surroundings. But that doesn't always work, so evolution got pretty creative. As a last-ditch defense, the lizard shoots blood out of its eye. The nasty fluid goes right into the predator's mouth, making them reconsider making a meal out of the horned lizard. Number four is tiny male anglerfish fuse with much larger animals. If sex in the city took place in the deep ocean, the male deep sea anglerfish would be Charlotte. He spends his whole life looking for the one because while there may be plenty of fish in the sea, the deep and vast and lady anglerfish are few and far between. Kind of like suitable men in New York. So after the male anglerfish finds her, he gets more than a little clingy. He bites her stomach and never lets go. Their bodies and circulatory systems fuse together so they may become one fish. At that point, the male has achieved its life goal of becoming a sack of gonads, while the female would be happy to have another male join them. Number five is that pearlfish live in sea cucumbers' butts. When it comes to house hunters, everyone has their own peculiar interior taste, but none could be weirder than the pearlfishes. It likes to live in sea cucumber butts. Yes, you heard that right. A pearls fish house hunter checklist would read, toxic chemicals, no windows, and as slimy as can be. Sea cucumbers breathe through their rear so that they could just clench to keep the fish out. In some cases, as many as 15 fish will live inside one sea cucumber. Don't think about that for too long. And while plenty of pearlfish just chill in the sea cucumber like a friend staying too long on your couch, some actually consume the cucumber's reproductive organs. And that is all the time I have for this episode. So tune in next time where I give you more tips, tricks, and overall just fun facts to keep your furry friends happy, healthy, and safe. Till then, back to Dr. T and your pet matters. I'm your producer, Wade Buchanan, and I will see you all in the next one. Stay safe, everybody. That was today's segment of Producer's Pet Project. Your one stop for all things pet news, recall alerts, adoption services, and more. Be sure to tune in next time. And for a more in-depth conversation, listen to Your Pet Matters with Dr. T every Saturday morning at 10 a.m. Producer's Pet Project is underwritten in part by Progressive Veterinary Care. Only on 107.7 The Bronx. The following is an encore presentation of Your Pet Matters with many new shows to come. Missed an episode? No worries. You can subscribe to a free weekly episode of Your Pet Matters to listen to on your favorite podcasting platform. Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, whatever. Now, here's a replay of Your Pet Matters with Dr. Michael Takiwa. We're back with Your Pet Matters with Dr. T of Progressive Veterinary Care, discussing everything you need to know to keep your furry friends happy, healthy, and safe. Only on 107.7 The Bronx. Hey, Pet Nation, it's Dr. T here. And I wanted to tell you a story about how getting our driveway sealed made me think a lot about veterinary medicine. (laughs) How, may you ask? Um, So let's call this guy Sealer Sam. Sealer Sam came canvassing my neighborhood and 
I got wind of him because a couple of my neighbors, it looked like they were prepping to get their driveway sealed, clearly putting their, their cars in the streets, et cetera. Um, and it was funny because this guy's young. Um, he's got a limited liability company and very aggressive. So what he would do <laughs> would be he would set up a couple homes. I think he had like two or three of my neighbor's homes. And I live in a cul-de-sac, so it's quite, we have, um, you know, fairly spread out property. So between here and the end of the cul-de-sac, there's probably, well, there's probably like total six houses. So it's not, not that, not that crowded, so to speak. Well, he had three of us in there. Well, not me, three of my neighbors in there. And one of the complaints my neighbor had was that instead of doing their driveway, he was out canvassing the area for more clients. And so there was a delay and um, there was questioning about if he would actually do the job or not that day. Um, and during the process of doing one of my neighbors, he was, my son was playing outside. He was asking him to, is your, is your dad home? And I said, I'm, so I just, I literally had my, I literally had my son lie and say that I was busy. <laughs> I didn't want to talk to him. So, um, but anyways, I went out there and I was looking at the job he did at my neighbors because we were considering doing our um, ceiling again. And I talked to my wife about it and he came out and he's very aggressive. You know, you, you know that there's an aggressive sales approach when they're using your name, Mr. Mike, Mr. Mike, Mr. Mike. Um, I was laughing at him most of the time and he was asking me how much the previous sealer charged and then he started giving me a quote and as I kept laughing, the quote kept dropping. And so I said, let me think about it. Just wanted to be nice and, you know, so I had a family discussion and we decided to do it. But between that interim, they, um, I talked to my neighbors and I found out that there was a huge price discrepancy he was quoting between different neighbors. Um, ours was a reseal. There's a neighbor with a fair amount of, well, both these, I would say both these driveways that got done, that there was a price discrepancy had similar amount of work needed. And yet there's a fairly significant price discrepancy. And the reason why I know that is one of my neighbors wasn't home and asked me to actually pay this guy. So I, I actually saw the figure of what they had to do. Um, so it got me really thinking, and you know, it's it's one of those things. How I don't know if it's just me or any business person that every time I'm dealing with a business, I always look at how that business run, and are there any life lessons for me to take back to my business? Um, and I came up with a bunch, and they're all related, and they relate to not only veterinary medicine in general, but they can relate to any business. And so. Um, Number one was the approach. <laughs> um, whether I'm dealing with a client, so let's say I'm trying to promote dental month and I'm dealing with a pet that needs a dental. It's how you approach that, you know. Um, you do get a variable approach towards, you, you can be aggressive in any sort of situation. So are you aggressively gonna, promote the dental or are you going to talk about the benefits of the dental or how are you going to do it so this guy was sealer sam was incredibly aggressive 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 and um i'll tell you about my discussion with him at the end but you you gotta it's your approach you got to be factual you got to talk about the 
pros and cons. In any business, there's always a financial concern, so it's how you approach this. So no estimates were provided by Sealer Sam. So there really wasn't a discussion. And he was so aggressive about getting numbers of driveways that he would completely do different pricing. And I think he was trying to read clientele and see if he could get more from some and not from another. So um, number one, don't be aggressive in your approach. Number two is know your demographics. We are a very close-knit neighborhood. We know each other. We talk all the time. It's not like my neighbors don't communicate with me or vice versa. So that's how I found out the pricing. So you really have to know your demographic. And I think that if are you dealing with a demographic that is what are their needs and wants and desires? What is their financial situation? Um, you have to be very careful about things like that. I let him know who I was after when I had a chat with him prior to paying him. Um, but I hope it helped them. Um, so definitely know your demographics. And I think a lot of this is how you deal with your clients. So um, regardless of how you feel about veterinary medicine, if you're running a veterinary hospital, you have to really be client-centric. We are all by definition, so my opinion is, we are all by definition pet-centric in the veterinary world. We w wish the best for a pet. But you can't do that and not have the client's interests, wishes, finances in your mind or involved in any sort of situation. So if you, if you are pet-centric, in this case, the analogy would be Sealer Sam was driveway-centric. Get the driveway done not really care about the client. And that showed great, like crazy. Um, and I talked to him about some of the job. He was just getting that job done. So you really have to be client-centric. Um, what he would do is he would, in order to get the driveway, he would go and canvas the neighborhood. And both of my neighbor friends would wonder, is he actually going to do their driveway today when he said he was going to be done? And he would come late in the day and do it. And it was, it, was, it was clear that he was just getting numbers. I actually worked for someone who literally said to me, I don't care if I never see this client and pet again, I've got them today. And to me, that is, that is downright dumb as a business owner. I think that you have to look at the long term. Um, and I explained this to him. I said, listen, in my world, I am trying to create a relationship with a client and a pet for the life of not only that pet, but any successive pets um, to, in order to get just one pet in per day and not worry about them, that is in the long term, that's gonna hurt you big time. Um, so I explained it to Sealer Sam. I said, listen, you want repeat, sealing has to be done every what? And he said, well, every two years. Okay, so you want repeat customers. If you treat these customers badly and they don't repeat, you're, you've just lost this demographic this whole demographic. I think he ended up doing five to 10 driveways here. So he lost that demographic. I don't think they're gonna get him again. Um, but that's one of those things you have to be careful about. Um, the next is communication. It's how you communicate. Um, it was interesting. So part of his approach was to find out, he would blatantly ask, oh, uh, do you work? Are you gonna be home? And I'm not sure why he asked that, but it was always perceived as, are you gonna rob me? <laughs> um, luckily, we have a bunch of stay-at-home moms here, and so 
it's quite we've got some retired people so it's quite good about neighbor neighbors being home um i was trying to take that from okay so then enables him to make sure the driveway's clear so he can just do it um he also was wondering when you'd be home to get paid so he could get paid um as he voiced to me but man that approach was (laughs) (laughs) it's the communication is bad you have to have great communication you have to be able to read your clients you have to be able to ex- express what you think that the the necessities and medical needs of are your patient um and you don't say hey when are you gonna be when are you gonna be home oh my god um the next was pricing so like i said he would very so one of my neighbors was fairly good at handling and and got him down to a very reasonable price for a new job my other neighbors uh, gentle wonderful soul didn't handle the price paid 30 percent more to me they're equal jobs um so i talked to him about that um you have to you have to be fair you have to be consistent and you have to realize that the neighbors may talk to which i told him i said we're close here we talk we know the pricing um and the price he quoted me was just under whatever I had paid prior. So it was just one of those things. Um, but you have to be very careful. If you're that business owner that's just going to undercut the competition just to get someone in, in the door, that is not going to be phenomenal in the long run. And if you change your prices, variable pricing, your clients are going to talk. They're going to talk. They talk. And not even pricing. If you if you change your salary or you have variable salaries on your employees, you you know, it says they're not supposed to talk in every employee manual. They talk. They know what each other makes. They know what each other makes. So that is something that you got to be really careful about. And the last is follow-up. Um, it's important to follow-up. So whether I see a sick patient or even a routine, it's important to follow-up. Um, make sure the pet's okay. Make sure you're connecting with that client. Um, and I told him that it's important to follow up. There was an issue with one of the ones he did. There was an opening happening, so he went and resealed it. But I said, it's important that in three months you follow that up. He said to me that driveways is a seasonal business. And I responded to him and go, well, in, in many respects, veterinary medicine is seasonal. Um, much of the income comes between in a certain month. He was shocked to hear that. Um, so needless to say, in an attempt to help him, I actually had a sit down talk with him prior to paying him. I told him about the issues. I told him about the pricing. I told him about knowing his clientele. I told him about doing a quality job and definitely following up. Um, I even went so far as I, I did a background check on him and his business. Um, and I explained to him my concerns. Um, and I told him that if he did a good job, he is going to have repeat customers in this area. But some of the methods he did, some of the communication approaches he did, I'm not seeing that happening. Um, And I even said to him, I said, listen, that one client that wasn't happy with you that you have to come back, I said, all they have to do is quietly tell five people never to use this guy. And that would ruin you. You want to be comfortable and satisfactory. So, So, you know, I hope it something helped him. I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope. Um, I hope he changes his ways, um, but you never know. But it was just—it was very interesting just to see that, just to see how a interaction on a driveway seal can really reflect on any other business. Lesson learned. Hope that helps any business owners out there.
That was Your Pet Matters with Dr. T of Progressive Veterinary Care. You can tune in right here every Saturday at 10 a.m. Or to hear more right now, you can go to 1077thebronc.com slash yourpetmatters, where you can download past episodes as podcasts on your favorite platform like Apple, Google, Spotify, and more. Your Pet Matters is underwritten by Progressive Veterinary Care, 390 County Road, Route 518, Skillman. For more information online, it's progressiveveterinarycare.com. We'll see you next time, only on 1077 The Bronx.